0: Hello and welcome to Discovering the Jewish Jesus with Rabbi Schneider. I'm your host, Dustin Roberts, and today we're learning how to stand firm when you're facing persecution. All throughout the Bible, we find passages explaining what the Messiah would do when he came to earth. Yet when Jesus fulfilled these prophecies, his own people dismissed him and some even persecuted him. So why was that? Well, that's the topic Rabbi will explain today as we continue this study titled Messianic Prophecy. We'll be looking at passages from Isaiah and Matthew. So if you'd like to take notes, visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com and download Rabbi's study guide. And right now, let's get started.
1: You've heard the saying before, if a lie is repeated enough, eventually people lose sight of the fact it's a lie and they begin to accept it as truth. We're living in a society which makes it very difficult to understand what is truth. Of course, this question, what is truth? It's a question that has been a millennial years in the asking. As Yeshua stood before Pilate and Yeshua stood before him saying, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth, Pilate said, what is truth? Well, today that question is even more contested. And the reason that I'm bringing it up, beloved, on today's show is because when we study messianic prophecy, what we're doing is we're going back hundreds and thousands of years ago to see what the prophets of God proclaimed and then are seeing visibly how the prophet's words predicting the future came to pass. And we're focusing, of course, today on how Yeshua HaMashiach brought the words of the prophets to pass in his own life and ministry. The point is, is that when we see a prophecy that was given thousands of years ago, and then you see Yeshua specifically fulfill it in a detailed way, we see this is truth. It's not simply subjective, which most truth today is subjective. It changes with the culture, the concept of what's right and wrong. It's no longer objective. It's subjective. It changes as the world modernizes. But God's word does not change with the times. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one of those cutting edge ways that we see this is in the area of messianic prophecy. Once again, we look at the words of the prophets and then we see how Yeshua fulfilled those words that were spoken way before his lifetime in a scientific measurable way. And so we are in our series on Messianic prophecy, and I left off talking about the words of the prophet Isaiah in the 53rd chapter. Now, let me say that Isaiah is one of the books most frequently quoted in the Shah in the New Testament. In fact, one of my favorite prophecies from the book of Isaiah that's quoted in the book of Matthew is in Matthew chapter 8. Yeshua had just got done preaching his longest recorded sermon recorded in the Gospels. It was on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, after he preached again this longest sermon that's recorded in the New Testament, he came down the mountain he started running into all these people that needed a physical healing, one after another, after another. And finally, after many episodes had taken place, different episodes along the pathway where Jesus had physically healed or delivered somebody, we finally get to the climax of this, and it begins here in Matthew chapter 8, verse number 16. Hear the word of God. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed and he cast out the spirits with the word and, listen, healed all who were ill. So now he's already delivered many people, healed many people. Time is moving on, and now it's the evening. Everybody was coming to him. They brought to him many people that were demon-possessed and physically ill. And the Bible says Jesus healed all who were ill, and he cast out the demons with the word. Now listen to the next verse that Matthew records here. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. This is an exact quote from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse four. I love the book of Isaiah because what Isaiah shows us, particularly at the end of chapter 52 and all through chapter 53, is that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf, that Jesus took our sin in his own body on the tree and he gave us instead his righteousness and his health. By his stripes, we are healed. It's the principle of substitutionary sacrificial atonement. Jesus, the innocent one who knew no sin and had no illness in his body, died on the cross in our place, taking our sin and our sickness in his body and giving us back his righteousness and his health instead. So Isaiah 53 is one of the most transactional chapters in the word of God. It shows how we went from darkness to, to light, it all is summed up in the atonement of Jesus. Now, messianic prophecy, I believe, finds its climax in Isaiah chapter 53. Now, keep in mind, it's just a tidbit of information. When the scroll of Isaiah was first written, there was no chapter divisions. In other words, when Isaiah recorded his prophecy, he didn't write 52, Isaiah 52. It was just all one scroll. But later, the scribes added chapters and verses so that people could easily find their place and reference and be on the same track with one another. In other words, you can go to your Bible today and you can go to Isaiah 52 verse 13 and you can find it precisely where I'm going to begin. I remember a funny uh, story that I witnessed one time where the person that was standing in the synagogue, he was reading the Torah portion for the day. He lost his place and he said, I lost my place because there's no markings in the Torah. And so he's reading through the Torah and he said, oh, I lost my place. And the person uh, a little bit off to the side said, well, it's the place where it says the Lord said to Moses. And the joke is when you read through the Torah, you see that phrase over and over and over and over again. The Lord said to Moses, you couldn't really find your place by finding the spot in the Torah where it said the Lord said to Moses. But if you said a specific chapter and verse, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse two, then you could easily get to that place. So again, just a little explanation to the fact that there were originally not chapters and verses, but these were added by the translators so that we could all be on the same page and find our place together. Let's open our hearts now to hear the word of God. Behold, my servant will prosper. Now remember, this is all about Jesus behold. And how do we know it's all about Jesus? Because I just read from the book of Matthew chapter 8, and he was quoting from this portion that I'm about to read, and he was saying this was all about Jesus. So we interpret the Hebrew Bible or the Tanakh through the lens of the Brit Kadasha or the New Testament, because we know that prophecy finds its climax in the New Testament through whom all of the Hebrew Bible aimed towards. Let's start again. Behold, My servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form was more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message? And so let me simply say here that Isaiah is delivering this tremendous secret that's about to be revealed. And he's talking about this one emerging whom people wouldn't recognize that his face would be marred, but this was the one that held the key to the nations and was the secret to victory. But now Isaiah's going to continue in Isaiah 53.1. He's going to say, even though this one that I'm declaring and describing is the key, he's the mystery of mysteries. He's the one that unlocks everything. All the treasures of mystery are found in him. Isaiah said, the problem was that people didn't recognize him.
0: You're listening to Discovering the Jewish Jesus and Rabbi Schneider will be right back. But first we have a special announcement. Let's check it out.
2: Over the last few decades, God's people have come to associate the rainbow with the LGBTQ community. But have we surrendered? Did God have a different purpose for the rainbow? Revelation four tells us, and there was a rainbow around God's throne. This July 28th through the 30th, join Rabbi Schneider as he leads a movement across the globe to take the rainbow back. Together, we can help restore the meaning of the rainbow to its God-given purpose and point mankind back to Jesus. United, we will oppose unrighteousness by empowering God's people to push back the powers of darkness to not only protect our children, but generations to come. To answer the call and take your stand, visit takingtherainbowback.com for more information and join this growing movement today. That's takingtherainbowback.com.
0: Now here is Rabbi Schneider with the rest of today's message.
1: And so Isaiah continues in Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot. Notice here, it's he, speaking of Yeshua, growing up before him, the father. For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. In other words, he was a human being. In his flesh, he was just like every other man. There was nothing special about his flesh. You know, as an infant, he still looked helpless. And so he grew up like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. There was nothing special in Yeshua's physical appearance because his power and his genius was not in his physical appearance. It was what was inside. He was clothed with humanity, but inside there was divinity. He was despised and forsaken of men. You know, when truth confronts power, truth is despised. That's why we live in such a politically correct society today, because people are oftentimes afraid to speak the truth. What happens to people that speak the truth to power? They're despised. They're ganged up on. And so Jesus, too, was a man that spoke truth to power. And as a result of that, he was hated. The Bible says the darkness hates the light. And so Jesus was despised and rejected of men. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and like one from whom men hide their face. And let me just take a step here for a second and just go off to the side and make an application for you and I. This is specifically speaking of Jesus, but we're his body. And I want to prepare you, beloved one, I want to prepare you, church, that if you'll continue to stand for Yeshua, if you'll continue to stand for Jesus, and you'll continue to have a bold testimony in this generation moving forward, if you'll continue to declare that Yeshua is the only way to heaven, as the word of God teaches, if you'll continue to declare biblical morals, I want to tell you, you too will be rejected you too will be despised. You too will become like one who men don't want to associate with because we live in a wicked culture. We live in a godless generation. We live in an air where people are swimming in iniquity. And when you speak truth to vileness, when you speak truth to a society that is entrapped in wickedness, when you speak truth and light into the darkness, it's going to react and jump and gang up on you. People today, unfortunately, are afraid to speak the truth because the enemy tries to silence them. But let me tell you, it doesn't take a majority to carry the day. It only takes a majority that keeps their mouths silent for a minority to sway and change the world. We must not keep silent. We must be bold. We must stand and take our place in Messiah Yeshua, speaking the truth, naming his name as the name above all names, and speaking truth into a godless world and coming against the moors of this world, standing on the ancient foundation, even if it means we are rejected. Because Jesus said, if they hated you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus said, blessed are you when you're rejected and men speak all kinds of insults about you because of me, for great is your reward in heaven. But if we keep silent, if we don't be who Jesus called us to be, the light of the earth, the light of the world and the salt of the earth, if we don't be like those that are on a mountaintop shining as light so people can see, then what good are we, Jesus said, We need to stand for the truth down here, even if it means we're rejected, just like was the case with King Jesus himself. So let's go on. We're simply saying that Isaiah declared what would happen when Messiah came, that he'd be despised and rejected. And I just simply made the application, beloved one, that you and I as his body, if we walk in his light, if we reflect his nature, if we declare his words, the same thing that he faced, we will face. We are rejected with him. All that desire, The scripture says to live godly in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and Isaiah said, we did not esteem him. But surely he continues in verse number four, our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. In other words, Isaiah was saying, you don't get it. Yeah, he was marred. Yes, his face was distorted because of what people did to him as a result of his testimony. But Isaiah is telling us here, it was because of your sin that this happened to him. Verse five, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging Isaiah says we are healed all of us like sheep have gone astray and each of us has turned to his own way but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he did not open his mouth he stood before Pilate he kept silent like a lamb that is led to the slaughter like a sheep that is silent before it cheers, so he did not open his mouth. And Isaiah just continues on to talk about how this was God's purpose to allow his son to be crushed and put to death, to be scourged, whipped, pierced through in his hands and feet. Why? Beloved ones, because he was taking our sin in his own body on the tree. Jesus is the Messiah. We're not looking for some other type of messianic figure. We're not looking for some new world leader to bring peace and harmony. It will never happen. We're not looking for someone to come and tell us that everything's okay. To include everybody, I read yesterday about where there was a situation where a pedophile a homosexual pedophile abused a small child and the judges were told by somebody in government not to be too hard on this case because we don't want to be too hard on the LGBT community for fear that we're going to get repercussion from that everybody is stepping back and saying and said everything's okay everything's okay let's just bless it all let me tell you The Messiah is not coming in some future political leader that blesses everything without boundaries and the absolute morals of the Word of God. No, Messiah has already come, and His name is Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. And Yeshua said, Straight and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Jesus said, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. We don't have to do it alone, but we have to call out for mercy, call out for help, accept God's written word of God as the standard for morality and right and wrong and the call of righteous upon our life and seek, beloved, strive, Jesus said, to enter in. Jesus has come once and for all. And beloved, we must receive him now. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow.
0: We're learning about facing persecution right here on Discovering the Jewish Jesus. And to discover more about this program or about our Bible teacher, Rabbi Schneider, let me invite you to go to our website, and explore you'll find us online at discovering the and well we all want to stand for truth and be a blessing to those around us but part of doing that means that we need to be willing to faithfully surrender every aspect of our life to God, to be used for His purpose and His glory. And like we've been learning in this study, prophecy is so much bigger than just learning about the future. It all points to Jesus. And pointing people to the one who breaks chains and frees the captives is what we're all about too. And right now, there are so many people in captivity to the culture and what it considers to be normal. And we want to share the love of Jesus with those who are lost and hurting. So I want to ask you to join with us this weekend as we kick off our inaugural Taking the Rainbow Back weekend. We need to be a light to the world and we need to do something now. This campaign has been about showing the world why the rainbow is a symbol of God's promises and not man's pride. And we want you to help us get the word out in a straightforward and authentic, loving way. You can learn more at Take TheRainbowBack.com, And you know, being able to orchestrate these outreaches here in the U.S. and our international crusades in places like Uganda, Africa, and Israel is only accomplished because of friends like you who pray with us and financially support us. And to share a bit more, let's turn our attention to Rabbi once again.
1: All of us that are in relationship with God have within us the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God. Jesus said in John 4 that his spirit within us could become a well of eternal life springing up so that we would thirst no more. But the key is, how do we drink from his spirit within us? In order to do this, beloved one, we have to die to ourselves. I believe that through honoring the Lord with our tithes and our offerings, we go through an act of denying ourselves. whereby through that act of dying to ourselves, we're better able to live from the life that's within us. Giving to the Lord with our finances has always been a principle that fathers taught for those that have been in relationship with him. If discovering the Jewish Jesus is being a blessing to you, I would encourage you to honor Father God through this ministry if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to do so. Beloved, I want to thank you in advance for your love and financial support. God bless you and shalom.
0: To give a gift of any amount right now, call 800-777-7835. You can also give online at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. And then don't forget, make sure to share your photos, stories, and videos from this coming Collective Action Weekend. You can share them at takingtherainbowback.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we're so excited to see how you and your church families shine a light in a dark world this weekend. And now to close today's message on facing persecution with a special blessing. Here is Rabbi Schneider.
1: Blessings trump curses. And in the book of Numbers chapter six, we find the ironic blessing that God commanded Moses's brother Aaron, the high priest, to speak over the children of Israel. There's power in blessing, beloved ones. So take part in receiving Father's blessing upon your life today. Ja wa Yahweh jawe waar ich marre kha Ja ihr jawe and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom.
0: i'm your host dustin roberts and discovering the jewish jesus is a production of shalom ministries be sure to join us again tomorrow when rabbi schneider explains the greatest prophecy that's coming up friday here on discovering the jewish jesus